just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Kind of a special day for me, a day I've celebrated every year of my life, one way or another. You see, today is my birthday, April 16th, 2022. I was born April 16th, 1960. That makes me 62 years of age. Now, I'm not big on birthdays for myself. To be honest with you, the focus on my own birthdays went away when I got married, then I had kids, and now I have grandkids and a daughter-in-law. It's more about their birthdays. And actually, my new granddaughter's birthday is April 26th, so she's got a big one coming up, number two. And it's way more important than anything I have to deal with. Fortunately, I am going to get to see my two sons, uh, my daughter-in-law, and my two grandkids today. And, of course, my wife will be with me. So it's always great when you get your family together. The real reason I bring it up, though, is because when you get past the age of 60, mortality really hits you in the face. I mean, think about it. If you take care of yourself, if you get some exercise, if you eat properly, you might live to 80, 81, or 82. Now, of course, if you have to do that to uh, live to 81 or 82, I better get started because I'm not doing that shit right now. But even if you live to 82 and you're now 62, that's only 20 years. That's not a lot of time to uh, get things done. And then it's a question is, how long are you viable? What I mean is, when you get to a certain age, uh, you maybe don't think as clearly as you normally did. You're maybe not as articulate as you once were. (laughs) Maybe you're shitting your pants every day. Now, who would want that? Now, of course, that happens from time to time now when I have Mexican or Indian, but that's a different fucking deal. (laughs) But it really brings home the mortality. And I know a lot of people worry about dying and getting old and that sort of thing, and I really don't. I really don't. I think the people that worry about it haven't been able to accomplish the things they thought they could accomplish or wanted to accomplish. And the way I look at it, you know, sure, there's many things I wish I would have done or could have done, but I've gotten done what I needed to get done, what I was supposed to get done. I lived my life. I had a career. I have a wife. I have kids. I have grandkids. I've almost run out my expiration date. I've done pretty much everything I needed to do. Now it's just a matter of spending time and having fun with my wife and enjoying life until such time where I can't. And I don't worry about it. And I'll tell you why. I I think I've told you this story before. I had a grandfather that lived to about 92 And I did an interview with him when he was about 90. I recorded the interview with the intention of being able to play it for my grandkids and great-grandkids so they could hear an ancestor of theirs who's a blood relative who grew up in an era that they couldn't even possibly imagine, went through some of the great historical events, and they could hear it from the mouth of somebody that is related to them. I think they'll enjoy it. I think they'll find it interesting. At least I hope so. But it's there. But when I was talking to my grandfather, I was much younger then. I was maybe 30 years old, and he was close to 90. And I said, Grandpa, man, you're you're old. <laughs> he and I were very close. We could talk about anything. And I said, you're very old, and I have a question for you. With somebody your age, you could die at any moment, and no one would be surprised. Anything could happen at any time. Do you worry about that every day? And he looked at me and he said, no, I don't worry about it. I said, why not? He said, well, look, when you get to be this age, there's a lot of aches and pains and you just get tired, you know. And you look back on your life and you've done all the things you were supposed to do. Like I said before, that's where I got it from. He said, you know, I grew up, I did the best I could, I had a career, I did the best I could, 
I got married and had kids and tried to do the best I could. I had grandkids. I have great-grandkids. And all my life, I've just tried to do the best I could. I couldn't ask for any more out of myself. And now I'm 90 years old. I'm achy. I may have some pains. I'm healthy generally. But you're right. Any day could come and I could be gone. And he says, I'm resolved to that. I understand it. I get it. And I'm ready for it when it comes. And I think there's something to that. As you get older, you become more resolved to the ultimate end, whenever that may be. We want to prolong it as long as we can, of course, because we want to spend time with our families and such. But if you have a belief in God or don't believe in God, depending on where you think you're going to go, if you felt like you've accomplished what you needed to, maybe not everything you hoped for, but everything you needed to or were supposed to accomplish, death isn't quite as scary. And to me, it's not that scary. Now, I'm sure that's easy to say when I'm not on the verge of death. If I'm laying in a bed sometime and moments away from death, I guess I'll probably be scared. But I won't have any regrets. I won't have any regrets. I will have felt good that I've done the best I could, and we'll (laughs) see what happens afterwards. It just seems strange to me to be this age and I once said when I was younger, I said, you know how you know when you're getting old is when you can actually remember 20 years ago. So like when I was 25, 24, stuff like that, I couldn't remember 20 years ago. Now I can remember 20 years ago. I can remember 40 years ago. Hell, I can remember almost 60 years ago. So 20 more years, if I'm lucky, that's not a lot of time. So I got to make hay while the sun shine. Hence, I'm doing a podcast, TikToks, got grandkids to take care of. I'm not working a eight-hour day job, so I'm going to maximize my time now while I can. And hopefully in the end, I'll have the same attitude my grandfather did. I did everything I was supposed to do, and I did the best job I could. All right, let's get started here. I got a little frog in my mouth, so I'm going to, or my throat, in my mouth. That would be weird when... And uh, so I'll be drinking water every so often. People have said to me, what are you drinking? I said, water. Yeah, right, it's a whiskey sour or amaretto. No, I don't drink. I quit drinking when I was 29 because I didn't do a good job with it. The best choice was to just fucking quit. And I have. I've been not drinking for 32 years or thereabouts. Anyway, let's get to some emails. I always ask you to send me emails because I want to hear from you. Uh, The input from the listeners is hugely valuable to me. So I always appreciate the fact that I get the emails. Now, I got a lot of repeat emailers, okay? And I love those guys. They always have great questions and comments. But I know there's a lot of listeners out there that haven't sent an email. The fuck's up? Send me a note. Tell me I suck. I don't care, but just send me an email. All you have to do is go to rationalboomer at gmail.com, write whatever you want, and it'll come to me, and I'll respond to it either on the show or personally in email. If you want to leave a voicemail, you can do that too. Go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave a voicemail message. So let's get to the emails. This one comes from Jennifer. She's a repeat emailer. She says, finally, you said what I've been saying for weeks. At what point do we step in? She's talking about the Russia-Ukraine war. I understand not wanting a nuclear war, but these are women and children being raped, tortured, and killed. There is nothing right about that. How long can we watch from afar? Thanks for being a voice of reason. Something has to be done differently. Now, Jennifer always sends these uh, interesting hashtags along, so I'll read them to you. Hashtag takes more than money. Hashtag we are all human. Hashtag proof is in the pictures. Hashtag Putin is evil. (laughs) And hashtag he's Trump's BFF. All right, thank you, Jennifer. And you're right. And it's a tough situation, man. It's a very tough situation because because Ukraine's not NATO, we officially can't engage with Ukraine and fight against Russia. 
because if we do fight against Russia, then there's the possibility that they'll ramp it up to a World War III and we'll have a nuclear conflict. I'm not absolutely convinced that that would happen, but, you know, it's one of those things. You make the wrong choice, and then we've got the end of the world. It's a tough decision to make. But at the same time, when we sit and watch Russia committing these war crimes, these atrocities, raping and torturing and killing women, children, and men, and doing the horrific things that they're doing. It's tough for we in America or some of these other European countries to just stand on the sidelines and say, oh, that's horrible, but I can't really do anything about it. Now, the idea that we're not doing anything about it is kind of a misnomer. We put a lot of money, a lot of uh, weapons, and a lot of military equipment, and so has the rest of the NATO countries. We fed the Ukrainian army a lot of resources. And that's largely why they've been as, as successful as they have been, taking out all the planes, the helicopters, the tanks, the ships, the big flagship Without our help, this would probably be already done. So it's not like we're not doing anything, but I get what you're saying, Jennifer, and I've said the same thing. At some point, when you're watching little children and women being tortured, raped, and killed, you can't just sit there and watch. But again, Vladimir Putin's got this this nuclear war possibility hanging over our head, and that's a tough decision. Yes, it's bad in Ukraine. But if we get in a nuclear war, there's no winner. There's millions of people that are going to die. Maybe the earth is destroyed. So which way do you go? I understand them standing back and not taking action. That is an incredibly tough choice. Because once you make that choice, it's all over. And literally, everything might be over. Is it worth the risk? It's a tough question. Is it worth the risk to get revenge on women and children being killed, raped, and tortured at the risk of millions of people and the mere existence of this world? Realistically speaking, if this were a business decision, it would be a no-brainer. No, you don't do it. You don't go for a small win Theoretically, and I'm not trying to be insensitive about this. I'm looking at it as a business decision. You don't gamble everything. You don't gamble the full pot against a smaller situation. As egregious as that situation is, it's, it's tough to make that choice. Now, that's not to say that something might occur that will get us to be involved in it. And... Uh, that could be chemical weapons or nuclear weapons in Ukraine. And then all of a sudden, the NATO countries are going to step up and things are going to get ugly very quickly. Now, is it absolutely certain that Vladimir Putin will pull the nuclear weapon card if we help? No, it's not. It's not. Now, Vladimir Putin might be crazy enough to go push the button and send nukes to the United States or to Europe or whatever they do. But the fact is, and I've said this before, there's more of a process here. There's a lot of people around Vladimir Putin, and you have to go through a process. There just isn't some, some button on Vladimir Putin's desk. And even if Vladimir Putin is at this point in his mind and says, I don't give a fuck, let's blow up the world, there's a lot of people in and around him that could take him out of the equation if they thought he was going to try to do something like that. As much as he may not care about the world and his family and all the people that might die in this situation, there's a lot of people around him that are nervous as fuck about it. And they're nervous as hell of, uh, about confronting Vladimir Putin, but that's a much easier choice than risking the decimation of the world. So I don't honestly believe that we're going to get to a nuclear conflict now, if this were a business deal, and I had this quandary, even though the best choice is to stand back and wait it out and not risk everything for, for one country, 
At the same time, I would look at Vladimir Putin and I'd say, you know, this guy's kind of a bullshitter. He's kind of a bully, which means he's a coward. And I know he's a narcissist. So narcissists aren't typically suicidal. He's smart enough to know what's going to happen if there's a nuclear war. If you were going to bet on it, you would say, assuming he's of a right mind, that he's not going to push the nuclear button. Because it doesn't matter. Whatever he's got, America's got more. Whatever he can do to America, America will do to Russia. And I know he's got a bunker and all this stuff, but what good is it? You go put yourself in a bunker and you save yourself from the nuclear war, but you walk out a month later and there's nothing fucking left. What's, what's the point? I don't think Vladimir Putin is stupid enough to go to the nuclear weapon. I think he's evil enough to use it as leverage and hold it over our head, and that's what he's doing. So, Jennifer, that doesn't answer the question. What do you do? When do you finally have had enough? Maybe they are just waiting for him to step over the line into a NATO country. Maybe they are waiting for him to use chemical weapons or even nuclear weapons. And then all hell will break loose. Save for the nuclear weapons, Russia will get their ass kicked. 30 nations coming after him. They don't have a fucking prayer. They can barely get through Ukraine. So they're done for in a traditional war. If it goes to the nuclear aspect, though, we could have some fucking problems. So you've got to consider that. The answer to that question, Jennifer, is above my pay grade. I'm glad I don't have to make that choice. Because at times I'm a risk taker. But it's a different situation than when you're risking a bunch of other people and not just yourself. It's easy when you're just risking it for yourself, like in business. But when it affects so many people and the future of this world, that's a tough choice, man. I'm glad I don't have to make that choice. Next one comes from Edwin. Hey, dude. (laughs) I heard about Elon Musk wanting to buy Twitter. To me, that sounds like a disaster because if he does, it would cause it to lose value if he lets Trump back on. Not sure how close him and Diaper Donnie are, but it still would be very problematic no matter what. As far as the midterms go, I think it would be a close one because after what I see here in Texas, it does have a little concern for me. But I will still hold a positive attitude and hope I'm wrong. Keep up the good work, Edwin. Yeah, I talked about that Elon Musk situation. I'll be honest with you. I don't even think Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter. I think he's fucking around like he did with crypto. I'm in. I'm out. I'm in. I'm out. I raise the value of crypto. And then he bails from it, makes a bunch of money, and everybody else loses money. I wouldn't be surprised at all about that with Elon Musk and Twitter. He bought like 9.2% of Twitter. He's got 9.2%. And then all of a sudden he says, I want to buy all of Twitter for $43 million. Well, that came out of nowhere, but he is the richest guy in the world. He's got all kinds of money. He's in other businesses. It's not surprising that he'd want to invest in another one. But here's the thing. Twitter doesn't want to sell to him. Twitter is a uh, publicly traded company. He wants to make it a private company. Now, whether that's a good idea or not, I don't know. I have no idea. But to be perfectly honest, I've always thought Elon Musk, just something seemed off about him. I mean, he's obviously incredibly wealthy. Money obviously is seriously important to him. And I know he tries to look like he's doing things for the Earth with the electric cars and SpaceX and all that stuff. But deep down, people like him like money and power. And I've heard some stories about how he's treated some people that maybe went against him. And he's kind of an evil fuck. Let's be perfectly honest. He's kind of an evil fuck. Now, here's the problem for Twitter, and I think they just fixed it. They just uh, inserted this poison pill thing that's hopefully going to stop um, 
Elon Musk from buying it. But what Elon Musk was probably suggesting is, uh, here's $43 million. This is a good deal. You need to take it. Now, in my mind, that isn't a good faith offer. It's a threat. It's coercion. Because what he's suggesting is, here's $43 million, not giving you a penny more. You need to buy it. Or I'll have to rethink my position as a stockholder in Twitter. What he's basically saying is, sell me this company or fucking else. And here's what I mean. He's got plenty of money. There's no question about it. He owns 9%. He owns probably a bigger stake than anybody else in Twitter. It's pretty spread out amongst the investors. If he decides to, he can go buy up more shares of Twitter until he gets a fair amount of, uh, of shares in Twitter. And then he'll get some power and then he'll try a hostile takeover, which nobody will like. Or the other thing he can do, the bit of coercion here is that he's got 9.6% of Twitter. He can say, either you sell it to me or I'm just going to dump all this shit. I don't want to be involved with you. And when he dumps 9.6% of the stock, that is going to put Twitter stock in a tailpin. He'll make his money back, but everybody else will lose a shitload of money. I think the bottom line, though, is he doesn't really want to uh, to buy Twitter. I don't know why he would. I mean, Twitter's kind of an old app, and maybe he can revitalize it and do something different different with it. But when do you, when do you have fucking time? You got a trillion dollar company in Tesla. You got SpaceX. You got the Boring Company, whatever the fuck that is. You got a lot of shit going on. You've got billions of dollars in the bank, something like $276 billion. Why do you need Twitter? Why don't you just create your own app, put all kinds of money into it, and uh, fucking do it yourself? Why would you need to jump on Twitter? Now, granted, Twitter does have a lot of followers already. It's a very valuable app, and it has a, a big platform. And I'm sure he wants that. And let's be honest, $43 billion for Twitter, that sounds cheap. I mean, for how much impact Twitter has on this country, that's not a lot of money. And certainly not a lot of money to, uh, to Elon Musk. I think, honestly, this is just Elon Musk dicking around. Hard to imagine somebody can dick around with $43 billion, but who else could do that than a guy who has $276 billion, one of the richest men in the world. There is a game to this for him. There is an end game to it. I don't know what it is, if it's just making money, trying to make a point, or just be an asshole. I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting. Now, the one thing that Edwin said, he's concerned about the midterms, okay? And I get that, especially since you live in Texas. Texas has got a weird view of things because you've got so many of these trump in that state. You've got a governor who's a fucking absolute idiot in Greg Abbott. You've got the voter suppression. You've got the anti-abortion thing. You've got all kinds of fucking shit going there. And I could see how you'd be pretty negative living in a state like Texas. But I don't share your concern about the midterms. I've said this before, say it again. A lot of shit coming out about the Republicans. A lot of shit coming out about the Republicans. And the way the Democrats are doing it, they're going to let it out a little bit of a time. Then the television hearings will come out and it will explode on this country. And they won't have time or ability to uh, discount any of this shit. It's going to come in piles on them, and it's going to make it very tough for Republicans come the midterms. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. When I talk to Democrats or independents or even some of the normal Republicans, they might say to me, well, Joe Biden hasn't done everything he's supposed to do. He hasn't passed the uh, uh, the, the laws uh, attacking voter suppression. He hasn't got the Build Back Better bill. Inflation is high. Gas prices, all this stuff. 
They say, I'm disappointed in uh, Joe Biden, so I'm not going to vote for him. Oh, yeah? You're not going to vote for Joe Biden because of inflation and because he didn't follow up on all of his promises, in spite of the fact the only reason he didn't follow up on his problems or, or his promises is because the Republicans obstructed everything he tried to do. So you're mad about that. You're mad at Joe Biden. So let me understand this. Because you're mad because you didn't get everything you wanted from Joe Biden, instead, you're going to vote for people that are racist, misogynistic, anti-Semites, lean toward violence, insurrection, trying to overthrow our government, overturn elections. You're going to instead vote for them. That's your play. That's what you're deciding to do. Joe Biden didn't give you all that you wanted or all that you expected, so you're angry and you're going to vote Republican. Well, now you're on the dark side. You're with those fucking people, and if you vote for Republicans, you're one of them. And if you're cool with that, go ahead and fucking do it. But I don't want to talk to you because you're a piece of shit. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Between the 2020 election and the January 6th insurrection, two GOP Trumplifucks, Senator Mike Lee of Utah and Representative uh, Chip Roy of Texas, traded text with Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, more than 100 times. Now, these texts were about GOP's ridiculous efforts to stop the steal. Both of the Trump Lefucks were in support of this effort. They were given advice and suggestions and strategies to Mark Meadows and, uh, indirectly, Donald Trump about how to accomplish this overturning the election thing. They were all about it. They were all in. Ultimately, they would get nervous, though, because as they were going along, they were saying, yeah, it's going well, it's going well. But, uh, you know, we could use some evidence. We could use some information. How about some evidence? And they kept asking for it. But you know what? They never got any. And you know why? Because there is fucking none. It didn't happen. Unfortunately, nothing came from the White House. They started to back off a bit. They're going, oh, fuck. We're fighting over this. They got no evidence. We probably shouldn't be in this. But the fact is they were still supporting Trump. But they weren't quite as enthusiastic. You know what I mean? Some of the text sent by Lee and Roy included, Hey, we need ammo. We need fraud examples. We need it by this weekend. And when they realized that there was no evidence forthcoming, Mike Lee wrote, we could be driving a stake in the heart of the Federal Republic. So they knew what was up. They were supporting this all along, and then when they finally realized that Donald Trump and Meadows and all the people in the administration really had no evidence, they were just trying to stir it up and lie and try to push their way through, bully their way through, without any evidence. Now, Mike, now Mike Lee and Chip Roy had enough wherewithal to understand, well, this could be problematic. Even told them this could damage the presidency and your administration if you continue doing this. And of course, Donald Trump continued to do that. So Mike Lee and Chip Roy are confused here. They're all on board with Trump. They're hardcore trump and Republicans. But they're finding out that it's a paper tiger. There's nothing behind it. There's no evidence. There's no substance. So they're lost. They don't know what to fucking do. Now, as much as they backed off of it, and that was the right thing to do, they were trying all kinds of ways to make this overturning the election and overthrowing the government work. They were trying to figure out a way to do it, much like Mike Pence. Now, remember, Donald Trump told Mike Pence, don't certify the election. 
And Mike Pence didn't certify the election. So some people look at him as some kind of hero. Well, he's not a hero because he was scared to death of Donald Trump. And he was trying every which way to figure out how he could do what Donald Trump wanted. Well, of course, according to the Constitution, he can't do shit. And then when he finally realized he couldn't do shit, he kind of uh, avoided Trump and he did what he did. And the next thing you know, Trump's got people chasing him down, wanting him killed, wanting him hung. So these people, uh, Mike Lee and uh, Chip Roy, didn't want to put themselves in the same position. These two are Trump diehards. Make no mistake about that. Even now that there is no evidence that the election was stolen, they're still fighting hard to push the narrative in spite of the fact they know it's a lie. But now it's been exposed. We've seen the text. There's no denying it. There's no distracting or diverting of it. They wrote the text. They sent them to Mark Meadows. And now what are they going to do? Are they going to backtrack? Well, they can't because it's right there in their own fucking hand that they were trying to overturn the election, overthrow the government, and satisfy Donald Trump, even though they know it's a lie. They were uh, actually pushing to uh, get some FaceTime with Donald Trump and Sidney Powell. You know that crazy bitch who's being sued by Dominion and lost her law license. Yeah, they thought she was a great gal and trying to set up an appointment with Donald Trump. By that time, Donald Trump had seen what she was all about and said, yeah, I don't want any of that bullshit, and never met with Sidney Powell. And, of course, Sidney Powell was a sacrificial lamb because, as I say, she's being sued by Dominion for a billion six, and she's lost her law license. It's a weird situation, and that's the big news. But you know what? It's what I said before. Every day there's going to be new evidence coming out, new evidence talking about uh, the things Republicans did with regards to the insurrection and uh, trying to overturn the government. There's going to be more coming out, and it's going to come out every day between now and November and the election for the midterms. That's the plan that the uh, Democrats have. They want to keep the narrative flying. They want to do what Republicans do. They control the narrative and they shove it down your throat. So I think the Democrats are trying to do the same thing. And they've got plenty of material to shove down people's throats. But they know people forget about things. So they're going to slip it out a little bit at a time up until that point where they have uh, where they will have uh, televised hearings. Then shit's going to blow apart. All right, here's kind of a disturbing bit of news. A South Carolina inmate is set to be executed from the murder of a store clerk in 1999. He has been on death row ever since then. Now, the inmate's name is Richard Bernard Moore, and he's 57 years old. Moore will be the first inmate in 10 years to be executed in South Carolina. For some reason, the state has uh, struggled to procure the drugs required to perform lethal injection. I don't know what the problem is there. How, how much of that does there need to be and how many people are dying of lethal injection every year? Not that many. For whatever reason, they can't get that particular drug. Well, here's where it gets a little weird. Moore had the option to choose between the electric chair, which is kind of barbaric these days, or by firing squad. Are you fucking kidding me? Executions in South Carolina last June uh, executions in South Carolina last June were stalled until the state could create a protocol for how it would carry out firing squad executions. <laughs> you you got to set up the facilities so you can shoot people to death Jesus Christ it's unbelievable Uh, the South Carolina Department of Corrections announced that they have completed the necessary renovation of their facility and can now carry out executions 
what, what, what did all the people in the corrections department sit down and watch HGTV and figure out a way to renovate their, their facility so that you could shoot people? Fucking A. Apparently, they installed a metal chair for the inmate to sit in, plus bulletproof glass in the witness room. The inmate would be sat in the chair, a hood put over his head, and then there would be three members of the firing squad. The last thing they would do is put like a a target on his shirt by his heart. So these three people knew where to shoot. Now, apparently, whoever was in this facility could not see the shooters. It was kept a secret. So Richard Bernard Moore will be executed by firing squad on April 29th. We're talking, what, uh, 13 days, less than two weeks from now? Now, what you may not know, and this is something that surprised me, there are four states that allow execution by firing squad. They're Oklahoma, Mississippi, Utah, and, of course, South Carolina. Oh, no surprises there. Those states would shoot people in a firing squad to execute them? I'm not surprised by that. Now, is it just me, or does it seem like since Donald Trump has came into office, we are going back in time? We thought we had a handle on racism. Now it's exploding all over the country. Anti-abortion things cropping up all over the place. While we had Roe v. Wade for 50 years. The anti-Semitism. The hatred for those people coming across the border. And now we're executing people by way of firing squad. It's like we're going back to the old fucking West. What's what's going on here? We've been a pretty progressive country. We've changed over time, and each time, presumably, we got better. But over the last five years, it appears we've gotten worse, way fucking worse. And we've got to find a way to turn that around, to stop being worse every day and try to get better. Because it's going to take a little bit of time to get back to where we were and then start progressing to become better. It's a fucked up thing. I, I just don't get it. <clears throat> now, I wanted to talk about something else, and it has to do with a U.S. senator, a Democratic U.S. senator. So people are starting to get nervous about Dianne Feinstein. They're worried about her cognitive condition. They say her memory's going. She may not be fit to hold office. She's losing it. Well, no shit. She's like 122 years old. You get that old, you're going to lose a few steps. That's just the way it fucking goes. Hell, this woman probably couldn't uh, renew her driver's license in California. She's actually 88 years old. You know, I was talking about it before. How long are you going to be viable? But let's be honest. She's not the only one in Congress that's a problem. There's Representative Don Young from Alaska. He's 87. Chuck Grassley from Iowa, 87. Richard Shelby from Alabama, he's 86. Jim Imhoff from Oklahoma, he's 86. And there's several more. These fucking people are old. I mean, let's be honest. They got to be out of touch with society at this point. I mean, these fucking people were born in the 30s. In the 30s. In the 30s, all they had was radio. And now they're making decisions about the Internet, about uh, social media, about things that are happening now. How could they possibly be in touch enough to be somebody who could govern in this day and age? Now, I hear all the time, the one thing that people think we need to do to correct our problems in Washington, D.C. is term limits. Make these people stick to term limits so they don't spend their lives and their careers in their jobs in Congress, in the Senate, and getting rich in the process. And I get it, man. I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I'm afraid to tell you this, never going to happen. You're not going to see term limits for a long, long time. 
And the reason you're not going to see term limits is because the people that make the choice as to whether there are term limits, well, that's the House and the Senate. And there is no fucking way they're going to do that to themselves. That's just not going to happen. But I had another idea. And I'll bounce it off you here and see what you think. There are a lot of government agencies that have a mandatory retirement age, like the FBI. You get to be 65 or 70 or 75 or whatever it is, you have to retire. I mean, when you get older, like me at 62 or 72 or whatever, you're not quite the same as you were when you were 30 years old. So can you really even be productive in the job, at least to the level that you should be, especially for what you're getting paid for? And that's really what we're seeing in Congress and in the Senate. We're seeing people in their 80s that can't do the job they once did. They're losing their memories. They're losing their cognitive abilities. And it's not their fault. They're fucking in their 80s. But they shouldn't be able to just sit there because they've always got it, got voted in and sit there until they fucking die. This isn't a job till death. The Supreme Court is, but Congress is not. And to be perfectly honest, by having these old people in office, it's a real disservice not only to this country, but to the younger people, the millennials and the Gen Zs. Let's be perfectly honest. The future belongs to them, not us. Our future is limited. Like I told you early on in the show, I got maybe 20 years. Well, my kids have a lot longer than that. My grandkids have even longer than that. And some of the things that are happening now will impact them 20, 40, 60 years down the road. Shouldn't they have the opportunity to have some input as to what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and when it's going to happen. If we had a mandatory retirement age, and these people got kicked out at, say, 70 years old, we could get some younger people in there, maybe get some better ideas, and get these people a chance to set up the country the way they want it to. Now, I know there's a lot of people saying, oh, you can't trust millennials, you can't trust Gen Zers, their kids, they don't know what they're fucking doing. Well, We're saying the same things about them that our parents said about us and their parents said about them. So it works out in the end somehow. And let's be honest, we as a generation have fucked up this country plenty. Maybe it's time to give somebody else a chance. And maybe, maybe a mandatory retirement age is a possibility. I don't know that for sure. But uh, it's going to be easier to accomplish than term limits. You're just not going to get term limits. You're not going to get these people to vote against themselves. They're selfish, self-centered, self-enriching pieces of shit. And once you know that, you realize that, uh, yeah, they're not going to vote against themselves. Here's something interesting. So uh, I think taxes are due to be sent in on April 18th this year, Monday. And we're all doing our taxes. It's always stressful. It's always a pain in the ass, but we need to do it. It sucks. I think if everybody got a flat tax, it would be so much easier. But we got to make it convoluted. We got to make it complex so the rich people can game the fucking system. Well, go. guess who else did their taxes? Joe and Jill Biden. And you know what? They released it to the public. Can you imagine? I mean, who does that? (laughs) Well, every other president who isn't a piece of shit, like Donald Trump. Donald Trump has never released his taxes, even though he said he would. Now, let's see how much Joe Biden made last year. When you talk about the Republicans, they talk about how corrupt and how he's making all this money and stealing all this money. Well, Joe Biden and Jill Biden combined made $610,702, and they paid 24.6%. You want to bet that Joe Biden's paying a higher, higher tax rate than Elon Musk or any of these other rich motherfuckers? I'll guarantee you he is. But Joe isn't... Uh, 
this crazy rich billionaire who's paying no taxes. And I'm wondering, you know, with all this uh, talk from the Republicans about all the money and Hunter Biden's laptop, where is that money? I mean, Joe couldn't possibly try to screw the IRS. He's not that type of guy. But $610,702 doesn't strike me as some big corrupt politicians who's taking in millions and billions. Now, you made $610,702, paid 24.6% in federal taxes. Well, he's all hiding it, right? Well, what did he do in 2020? Biden's total earnings was $607,366, and he paid 25.9% in federal taxes. So that's pretty consistent. Now, I'm guessing he'll make more in 2022, mainly because he's president now. He's got a $400,000 a year income from being president, so he might be closer to a million. But it ain't nothing compared to everybody else in government. In fact, um, Kamala Harris uh, released her taxes, too. And between her and her husband, they made a million six last year. She made more money than Joe Biden. I love how they talk about the corruptness of Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is not corrupt. You can call him a lot of things. You can call him old. You can call him a stutterer. You can call him slow, but he's not a crook. And unfortunately, the Republicans that are non-crooks are few and far between, especially former presidents. Now, if nothing else, Joe Biden certainly is about as honest as we see him to be. I wonder what Trump's 2021 taxes are. You know, he says he'll release them as soon as the audit's done. <laughs> Ain't no fucking audit. And even if he did have an audit, there's no law that says he can't release it. He's scared to death for a couple of reasons. Because he's a criminal and it'll show that he committed some crimes. Secondly, it'll also show that he doesn't have nearly as much money as he says he does. Now, the crimes probably don't bother him. But if it's exposed that he's not as rich as he expects to be, that's the thing that will kill him. He's a narcissist. He wants you to believe he's a billionaire. But I guarantee you he's not a billionaire. He's not even all that rich because all he does now is lose money. Joe's not an obnoxious billionaire. He pays his fair share of taxes. He supports the people because, honestly, he is the fucking people. Now, remember, Joe Biden said, I want to raise the taxes on anybody making more than $400,000 a year. And we all seem to see that as makes sense. Those people are better off than most of the middle class, and they should be taxed appropriately. Well, it's funny because Joe Biden is suggesting something that will tax him. It'll tax himself. He's already paying a fair share of taxes at about 25%. But he's talking about even raising taxes on him. You talk to Republicans, all they talk about is how they can cut taxes for the rich, people that already have a shitload of money. I don't know. You can talk a lot of things about Joe Biden. You can be disappointed by Joe Biden. You can do any of those things, but you cannot say he's dishonest. You cannot say he's corrupt and taking all kinds of money because the fact of the matter is he is not. I just wanted to bring one last thing up before we wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. You've been hearing about this young Republican Senate candidate in Ohio. His name is Josh Mandel. Josh Mandel has been kissing Donald Trump's ass for about a year now. He figured if he got Trump's endorsement, he would be a shoe-in. Now, this kid is a millennial. He's not too sharp, at least from what I've seen. And he is really pandering to uh, Donald Trump. He's a slobbering fool when it comes to Donald Trump. But in the end, guess what? Donald Trump didn't return the favor. Instead, he endorsed his primary opponent, J.D. Vance. Now, you know much about J.D. Vance? 
Yeah, J.D. Vance is a similar piece of shit. He's got some notoriety. He's an investment guy. But he also wrote a book, and it uh, got some notoriety. It's called Hillbilly Elegy. And uh, they turned it into a movie. I watched it. It was okay. It was okay. Had I known who J.D. Vance was before I saw the movie, I wouldn't have watched the movie. Because he is a Trumplican in spage. He is a Trumpla fuck. And he is pandering to Donald Trump. And I'm sure Donald Trump picked J.D. Vance over Josh Mandel because he's a little bit older, he's better known, and he's more successful. And he has more money. That's why he chose J.D. Vance. But here's the thing. Whoever wins the Republican primary will go against Democratic Representative Tim Ryan, who in my mind I think is one of the strongest reps in the House of Representatives today. And he could ultimately be a candidate for president. If you've ever seen the videos of him talking and giving speeches, he's a sharp man. He's of a like mind with us. And he would be a good candidate for president. He's around the right age. He's not young, but he's not crazy old. He knows how to speak. He's a good orator. He's got good ideas. And he wants to help out the people in the middle class. This guy should be a shoe-in for the Senate and for the presidency years down the road. But because of the trump and because of the Republicans, it's going to make it a lot tougher. But for Tim Ryan, he's either going to run uh, against one crazy asshole or another crazy asshole. And that will work to his benefit. Both have a, have a history of saying stupid shit. So just keep saying the stupid shit. Let's make sure Tim Ryan wins in Ohio and dumps these fuckers on his ass. Josh Mondell is pretty much out of it. No way he's going to win the primary if Donald Trump hasn't endorsed him. J.D. Vance will win. So it'll be J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan. And I hope against hope, Tim Ryan beats his ass. And I think there's a distinct possibility. All right, we're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time, taking your time to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.